Welcome to the HCC Podcast. Our mission is to nurture love for God, love for self, and love for others as the highest goal of humanity. May the following message nurture that love in your life. And remember, you're always welcome at HCC. It's a perfect church for less than perfect people. Peace. Today is a day we look to motherhood to teach us things about God. And so I've asked three experts in this, LaDonna Watkins, Joan Ellsroad, and Catherine Ramsey, to come and share their understanding of motherhood and what they've gleaned from it regarding God. So would you please welcome these three ladies today as they speak concurrently. Let's welcome them. Come on. Good morning. How is everyone? I hope you're having a good Mother's Day. Um, I'm LaDonna Watkins, and I am a member of the Sophia Council. Um, it's really an honor for me to be here today with two other amazing women of God. And so thank you, Pastor Steve, for having me. Uh, I want to wish all of the women here today uh, in person and online, uh, whether you're a mother, stepmom, grandmom, godmom, aunt, sister, um, any person who's had influence over uh, raising or uh, just inspiring, loving, and caring for other individuals, uh, just a happy Mother's Day. In addition to being a part of the Sophia Council, I'm also the facilitator of our grief share ministry. And so I'd like to take just a moment just to send my love to all who are bereaved uh, on Mother's Day. I know it can be a very tough time. It's my prayer that something is said, if not during the service, uh, perhaps maybe when we have an opportunity to pray uh, here in person or online through the virtual lobby, uh, that you know that we see you. We see your grief, and as a soul family, uh, we want to wrap our arms around you and just let you know that uh, we're here for you and that you're loved. So today, I would like to pay tribute to all women who nurture, care, and love on us. On a couple of videos uh, that I've done, I, I normally reference and bring up uh, being brought up in a multi-generational home with my mom and my grandparents. Um, I tend to talk about them a lot uh, simply because um, I hold them dear in my heart. And I'm, I'm proud of the way that I grew up because it has shaped me uh, as the woman that I am today. I am someone who is blessed to be truly loved and nurtured by many moms. Um, you may not know this about me, but I'm kind of a mom magnet. Uh, I think it's the cheeks that draw them. <laughs> and I have collected uh, many moms along the way, starting with my own my mother, uh, whose grace and humbleness and unselfishness has allowed me to be loved uh, and shaped by her and my many, uh, my village of mothers, uh, is truly a genuine act of holiness that I pray to emulate and follow throughout my life. Thanks, Mom. Uh, in addition, I was mothered by my grandmother who taught me discipline, she taught me faith, she taught me how to cook, uh, by my aunts, uh, who taught me style and fierceness, uh, how to laugh and, ha and have a good time. 
Um, I was even mothered by friends who have encouraged me through my life's ups and downs. And I want to thank my church moms, uh, those ladies who um, always reach out with a hand to hold, uh, give a hug to comfort and to show love, um, to give words of inspiration and, and prayers uh, that have uplifted me throughout my years. So thank you. I love my village of mothers because their history, their experience, kindness, and love have all contributed to shaping my life. There is truly something special about being nurtured and loved by women, loved by God, that blesses the soul. So one of my um, TV fascinations are uh, those genealogy shows. I'm not sure if you've seen them, but it's where people trace back their family line and I really like the show on PBS called Finding Your Roots, and it's hosted by uh, Henry Louis Gates Jr. And he always tends to find a way to show how the ancestor's life and experience shaped and influenced the current life of um, the participant. Even when that person being interviewed didn't even know the ancestor existed. And a fascinating thing that they do on the show is they look at the person's DNA and they're able to provide a breakdown of like the person's ethnicity um, and their genetic makeup and they can find other family members throughout the world with matching strands of DNA. And one very interesting fact that always comes up within every person's DNA is that all humans share a common maternal uh, ancestor known in scientific circles as the mitochondrial Eve. So today that not only makes us spiritual brothers and sisters, but we're also bonded physically. So in celebration of Mother's Day, I thought, let's celebrate our ancestral and spiritual mother Eve, who is the mother of all living. And let's look back at her, at her ancestry to see how her faith, her experience, and her very being, just like my village of mothers, is shaping our lives today. So we know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and over six days he created light, then the atmosphere and sky, uh, the dry ground and plants, the sun, the moon, the stars, then birds, sea animals, and finally land animals and humans. And when God saw all that he had made, he said it was good. So we find in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 22, the first time when God recognizes that some aspects of his creation aren't good. In these passages, God put Adam in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it, and the Lord said in verse 18, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And in Genesis chapter 2, verses 20, um, after Adam finished giving all the names to the livestock, to the birds in the sky, and to the wild animals, God acknowledged no suitable helper was found. Again, it's not good for man to be alone. There were no living things which complemented Adam as the animals only corresponded to each other. So God took a rib from Adam. He made a helper and a companion for him. God fashioned Eve. The Hebrew word for fashioning or building of a woman is bana'a. That word is also sometimes used to describe the building of palaces, of temples, of fashioning forms of art. And so the question today, ladies, do you know 
that you are a work of art. Do you know that our foundation and cornerstone are built by none other than the Lord God Almighty? And that the Lord God is the sole architect of our very being and purpose. God in his infinite wisdom created Eve for his agenda to be a suitable helper and complement to Adam in God's kingdom. We women as helpers, we are not secondary servants. We are divinely fashioned for a purpose as helpers, not only in a sense of the husband and wife team, but from a biblical stance of women helping women, women helping men, women helping children, and women helping the community. So anyone saying that they don't need a woman's help contradicts God because he created us just for that purpose. So we find in Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 22, it establishes the woman's unique relationship with God. It says, the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. Ladies, don't miss this special moment. God was with Eve first when he brought her to Adam. And so we as women, we have our own special, unique bond and relationship with God. God wants us to know how special we are. God wants us to know that we are made in his image. God wants us to know that women are equally as valuable as men. God wants us to know the importance of embracing our empowering role as helper. And God wants us to have a personal relationship with him because he knew us first. And we as women love because God loved us first. So yes, Eve also shows the challenge of listening and hearing God when he speaks. And when we fail to hear God's voice, we move in the wrong direction and we commit sin. Eve first sinned when she listened to the serpent instead of God. This lesson from our original mother is one for all of us because there will be times we listen to the wrong voice. When we do, there's no reason to hide from God. It's important to remember that we can always go to God to seek forgiveness. He wants us to confess our wrongs to him. And because of God's grace, Eve is not defined by her sins. Because of God's great love, she is the mother of redemption and that her identity is anchored ultimately in Jesus Christ. She is the mother who gave birth to the one, who gave birth to the one, who gave birth to the one, and so on of our Savior Jesus Christ, as so beautifully stated in Genesis 3.15. Eve is truly a woman loved by God. And so today for Mother's Day, I just hope that you're reminded that the beauty of Eve reminds us that we are women who are created in God's image. We have a personal relationship with God. We are divinely fashioned to be suitable helpers in our relationships. And we are women who listen to the voice of God. Be encouraged. You are beautiful works of art. Happy Mother's Day. Good morning. Pastor asked me to speak today about generational Christianity. So I'd like to tell you my story. My parents dropped us off at Sunday school as kids, 
and I don't remember them attending church or anything while we were there. The one thing I do remember is we would all get dressed up on Easter and all go together. And I guess probably for them, perhaps as a show. I do remember when I did something wrong as a child, my mother would say, God's punishing you for that. So because she didn't know him herself, I grew up thinking that God was keeping track of my mistakes and certainly not as a loving father that I know he is to me today. It's always amazing to me to watch the Holy Spirit woo people. He woos us. He's gentle. He comes alongside of us, and he's prompting us to accept Christ. The years went by, and I avoided invitations to church from coworkers, from friends. They would say, why don't you come to church Sunday? And I'd say, okay, I'll be there, knowing full well I wasn't going to be. And he was putting those people in my path. We can all look back over our salvation experience, if we've had one, and know that there were people that were trying to lead us to him all along the way. When I was 26, I met a man named Steve, whom I later would marry. His dad was a Baptist minister, so I was going to be in trouble shortly. When we were dating, my future father-in-law kept inviting me to go to his church, and I let him know on no uncertain terms I would not be going because he was a pastor, but because when I was good and ready, I would go. So we got married, and I did begin attending church. And for six weeks, I went. And each time I did, the people at the church were trying to meet the new daughter-in-law of the pastor. It was a good-sized church, about 400 people. And I was openly crying during the whole services. And I would try to get out the side door before anybody could see me. So when it came to the fifth week, I said, to, I said, Dad, I'm not coming anymore to church. All I do is cry. And he said, Joan, come one more week for me, just one more week. So on the sixth week, I went, and I walked the aisle and accepted Jesus. And long time after that, I found out that he had fasted and prayed five days for me that week, knowing that it was probably the last shot that God was going to have with me. So I had the privilege of being discipled by him as a pastor. I learned scripture. He taught me to memorize it. He taught me to live it. And so I went into the deep end of the pool as a newly saved person right away. So I really got grounded in the word. After three years of marriage, we had a daughter, Holly. And I was so excited to have a child. I had lost three to miscarriage prior to that. And while I was carrying Holly, God had impressed upon me to pray for her spouse, which I kind of thought was odd at the time as an infant, but I did obediently do that. God used her so many times over the years to show me how much he loved me and her. One time when she was sick, I remember thinking that I was paying so much attention and giving her so much love that I wasn't loving God the way that I should. But he assured me he loved her a thousand times more than I did and that I was fine. On this Mother's Day, I ask God to comfort those who are sitting here and have gone through that. Those that are listening that have never been blessed with the children they desperately wanted, and those who have lost a child to death. I pray that God's comfort is on each and every one of those situations. When Holly was four years old, I got to be the one that led her to the Lord. Even as a young child, 
she would say things to me about the Bible very boldly, and they would come to pass. When Steve and I were married for 10 years, he left us, and I became a single mom. The first night we were alone in the house, I had read Holly a story and put her to bed. She was six years old, and she kept coming downstairs and saying, I'm afraid Daddy's not here anymore. I said, Holly, Jesus Christ is in this house. I want you to go back upstairs. I want you to ask Jesus to help you, and don't come down here again. And she didn't. So the next morning, she said to me, Mom, when I prayed that, the presence of God was so strong in my room, I was afraid to open my eyes. That was when we began to know, or she did more than me, that God was her father, and he was also my husband. And Psalm 68.5 says that. God always made sure we had what we needed. We would come home to a lawn that was cut or a driveway that had been shoveled and had no idea who blessed us. This was so Holly could see him at a young age in action. When she was 15, we went to a revival meeting in another state. There were about 500 people there. And the pastor pointed out to her and said, come up here. And she did, and he prophesied over her that she was to marry a pastor, and she should be beginning to seek that out in her life, to pray towards that direction. She ended up going to Bible college, where she met her husband, Jesse, who was studying to be a pastor. Eventually, I met his mom, Karen, and she was the other half of the prayer team, because God had impressed on her as well to pray for her son while she was carrying him. They have married almost 20 years now, and we feel very blessed. We have a small family, but a really close one. They have three children, Emma, 15, Elijah, 11, and Avery, 10. And as a grandparent, there truly aren't any words to describe how much I love them, as I'm sure you all that have grandchildren feel the same way. It's a wondrous thing to see that although I am a flawed individual, God used my salvation as the start of his blessings in our family. I knew him prior to Holly's birth, and she knew nothing other than to live in a Christian home. Now that her children have known the same lifestyle, the little one, Avery, is 10. A couple of years ago, she walked in one day and she said, Nana, do you know that God never sleeps? And I said, I did know that. How do you know that? She said, they taught me that in Sunday school. She said, here's what he does. And she walked over to the front door and stood in front of it with her arms crossed over, and she said, he stays here so that at night we get to sleep so we don't have to be afraid. He's protecting us. Elijah is the middle guy, and he loves to ride with me when we go on family outings. He always tells me, of course, their household is a lot noisier than mine. I'm alone. He said, it's so quiet when we ride together, and I love that you talk to me about God. And as my older granddaughter, Emma, became a teenager, I no longer held the importance to her that I once had. And it was bothering me, and I prayed, and God impressed on me. She was 14 at the time to let her drive my car. So we used to come here to this parking lot on Sunday afternoons every other week, and I would let her drive the car. Of course, the parking lot was empty and taught her how to, you know, parallel park and all those things. And it of course, now she wanted to spend as much time with me as she could. 
my prayer is that I continue to make a difference in their lives as they grow. There's a verse in the Bible, Psalm 127, 3 to 5. And I want to read it to you. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. If you think about pulling back the string and shooting an arrow, that arrow goes far. That's what God wants us to do with our children and their children and their children. We want that next generation to go further than we ever have spiritually with him and do great things for him. As I look back over the 45 years of my journey with him, I am so grateful that I got grounded as a new Christian. Most of you have heard of the program here at Heritage called Rooted. It takes us back to our roots. If you've been a Christian for many years, join Rooted if you haven't gone already because it brings us back to those daily disciplines we need to stay close to the Lord. If you're new in Christ, join it and go. Go where people who love him and love you are willing to give their time to teach you how to build a life with God. Thanks so much. morning, Heritage Soul family and everyone tuning in online. My name is Katherine Ramsey, and for those of you that don't know me, I've been attending Heritage since I was about five years old, but this is my first Sunday back since before the pandemic. <laughs> it, it is a bit unusual. <laughs> when Pastor Steve asked me to speak on Mother's Day, my first thought was that I am woefully unqualified for this. I do not have it all together. I mean, I haven't even been to church in a year in person, right? And real talk, Sunday mornings at my house are complete chaos. Do you guys know how hard it is to keep a two and a four-year-old entertained during a church service, even in a room full of toys? My attention is always split, but I'm here to talk about motherhood and about the reality of the stage of life that I'm in. And the reality of that stage is that I feel like a hot mess about 95% of the time. On the screen, you'll see a picture of my daughters. <laughs> this is a lovely posed photo in the 5% of the time where we seemingly have it all together. On the left is my four-year-old daughter, Isabella Sophia, and on the right is my two-year-old, Gabriella Elisa. Having toddlers is like living in a house full of mirrors. They repeat and mimic everything that I say and do, even when I don't think they heard it or saw it. Honestly, they're pretty judgmental too. Just last week, I was frustrated at traffic or something going on on the road, and I switched lanes to be able to drive faster. And my four-year-old chimes in from the back seat, and she said, Mommy, you just need to have a little more patience. <laughs> I mean, she wasn't wrong, but it was so frustrating to be called out in that moment. For me, being a mother means loving your kids so deeply and so intensely that you want to hug them and never let them go. But at the same time, what I would give for 30 minutes alone to take a shower uninterrupted or to watch a non-cartoon movie with my husband. And then, of course, there's the never-ending list of questions that pop into my head as I try to parent. Am I doing things right? Am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? Am I spoiling my kids? Am I giving them enough attention? 
Am I setting a good example? And how thoroughly should I answer my four-year-old's questions about death, racism, and coronavirus? As you all know, there is no manual for parenting. But I always knew I wanted to be a mother, and God bless my husband and I with two beautiful, healthy, happy little girls. But I'm not gonna pretend that every day is filled with unicorns and rainbows as much as they would like it to be. Motherhood is hard, period. Having someone or multiple someones literally need you all the time is exhausting. Throw in a couple jobs, a husband with a couple jobs, a house, and everything else that falls under the umbrella of adulting, and you've just got a recipe for anxiety, depression, loneliness, resentment, and a bunch of other things. I used to think that I would be a perfect mother and wife if only I could stay home with my girls and cook those picture-perfect meals and be well-rested, and then COVID happened. And we were home together from work and school for four months. A very unexpected dream come true. While we had some Instagram-worthy moments during quarantine, I'll be the first to tell you that I was not a perfect parent. All the same parental stress remained, along with the added anxiety of a global pandemic, uncertainty about work, physical distance from loved ones, dealing with the death of my uncle from COVID, and the never-ending questions from my precious toddlers. Why did Uncle Ephraim catch the germs? Will we catch the germs? Why did he die? Are we gonna die from germs? Why can't I go to school? Why can't I see my cousins? Where's Mamita? We all lived it. The only thing that got me through was the incredible peace of God that surrounded me. I knew that he was bigger than coronavirus. I knew that he was still seated on that throne and in control of all things. And I also knew that my girls were watching. I knew that they were watching my behavior. I knew that they were listening to my words and picking up on all my emotions. And what I realized during that time was that regardless of what was going on in my life, whether I was working outside the home or staying home, whether things felt normal or we were bathing in hand sanitizer, is that I can't be the mother that I want to be or the mother that my girls need me to be without leaving space for God. I'm not gonna stand here and pretend that I'm immune to that recipe of disaster that I mentioned or that I've never felt that way because I'm such a good Christian. But Lord knows that I rarely feel good enough. And it's when I open my Bible that I'm reminded that I don't need to have it all together. One of my main responsibilities in ministries as a mother is to disciple my kids and point them in the right direction. Proverbs 22.6 says, Direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. So it's my job to help them grow in their faith and to teach them that they aren't meant to do this life alone. They aren't meant to have it all together. And as believers, we recognize that God allows difficult circumstances to show us our need for him and to draw us closer to himself. And motherhood has done exactly that for me, especially this past year during the pandemic and my return to work under our new normal that we all live in. <sighs> Second Corinthians 2.19 says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And I need God's abundant grace. Before becoming a mother, it was much easier for me to pretend like I had it all together in front like I was the strongest person in the room. But motherhood reminds me every day of how much I need God control in my life. I need his patience, his wisdom, his direction, and his peace. 
And when I feel that peace in the chaos, or when I'm way more patient than I've ever been, I know that it's Christ working through me. And I'm encouraged that even though I don't always feel like I'm getting it right or I have it all together, he has placed me in the right place at the right time for people who need me. Motherhood has also provided me the most vivid example of the incredible love that God has for me as his child. When I'm about to lose it because my girls are disobeying or trying to get away with something or testing my patience, I ask myself, how much and how often have I done this to God? How many times have I disobeyed his commands and his will for my life? And how many times have I tried to run from him and hide my sin? How many times have I tried to rationalize my actions and yet God is there waiting patiently for me with open arms, ready to forgive and show me the right way? God's love for me and for you is not dependent on our actions, and he never withholds forgiveness. That's the type of parent that I strive to be. That's the love that I want to show my girls, and that's the example that I want to lead them by. So for all you mamas out there who don't have it all together and who don't feel like you're doing good enough, remember that there's only one with a capital O who parented perfectly, and he's ready to guide us. His grace is sufficient. His power works best in our weakness. Happy Mother's Day. Great stuff, Catherine. Thank you so much. Goodness, I mean, the whole, as, as these three women make their case regarding motherhood and what it means to feel that sense of motherhood, not only in their own life, but also from God, we have a challenge in front of us because we often think of God as Father, but really there's so much of Scripture that relates to the qualities and characteristics of motherhood within that divine being. Within that Trinitarian understanding of God, we recognize that not only is He fatherly, but God is also motherly. There is the dimensions of the orchestrator, the, de the designer, the engager, the one who plans and executes. And there's the other side of God that's deeply comforting and warm and approachable. And I think of my own life with regard to the fact that not all of us have had mothering experiences that are warm and friendly and comforting. There's a number of people here in this congregation that I know whose mother experience has been that my mother suffered from mental illness, or my mother suffered from physical illness, or my parents were estranged, and there was constant tension and animosity in the home. And so when we grow up under the tutelage, if you will, of physical earthly parents, who are parenting in brokenness. Did you hear that in what Catherine said? That she is attempting to parent her children in the context of crazy brokenness, throw on top of that a pandemic, a surprise dream come true of everyone being home, and the crucible of that, and trying to be the chief evangelist and the chief discipler. What if you grew up in a home where your mother didn't know God? What if you grew up in a home where your mother was completely unavailable, incapable of providing those kinds of memories and images? What we've been talking about in the kingdom of God for the last 11 weeks up until last week is really part and parcel of what we're discussing today. That God is inviting you, He's inviting me to be reparented. To recognize that in spite of all of the goodwill 
of mothering earthly mothers. I want to be the best mom I can be. I want to show God to my children. Yes, in spite of all of that effort, we are still by and large raised by the world in all of the brokenness in the context of our family to varying degrees. And we as believers now need to submit ourselves to the reparenting of God. Both that fatherly component and motherly component coming together in the powerful parental engagement of God in our life. And God wants to re-raise us in His image. In spite of how wonderful your parents might have been, they are no match for the quality and depth of ability that God has to reparent you. I want to point your attention to Psalm 131 and invite you into this space scripturally. Psalm 131, which is not in your sermon notes in the app today, but I just felt impressed to bring this to you at this moment as we wrap things up today. I love this sense because it captures the essence of what it feels like to be in a mother's arms, a good mother. A mother who, who knows love, particularly those mothers who know the love of God, and they know that they are there, as, as these women today were expressing. As LaDonna was saying, a village of mothers came around me and showed me the love of God. As Joan was saying, she sees the love of God from her, not only her own sense of motherhood, but also grandmotherhood. And as Catherine mentioned, it is her deepest desire to let her children know that this is the kind of God that's described in the scriptures. Psalm 131, God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. Message translation. I don't want to be king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose plans. I've kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart. And like a baby, content in its mother's arms, my soul is a baby content. As a father, looking at what happens when a child is inconsolable, I have always experienced that there's only one place where my children, where other children, have seemed to find the deepest sense of comfort, and that is in the unconditional love and embrace of a, of a mother. I would attempt as father to console as much as possible, but for some reason, the sixth sense in every kid that at least I had, they would know, this guy's anxious and fearful. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. Consequently, my son writing to my, my wife, don't leave me with dad. Yes, I get that. There's something, some, there's something deeply settling about being in the arms of a mother whom you know loves you because they love you because they love you. That no performance could somehow garner even more love, but that mother just loves that they love that they love. And this is the sense in this psalm 
that a baby content in its mother's arms. My soul is content as a baby in your arms, God. So however you see God or understand God, I want you to recognize that that's where he's inviting you. He's inviting you in all of your anxiety and all of your fear and all of your weariness into the arms of God, your heavenly parent that wants you to rest in the unconditional love and acceptance of that parent and to find yourself content in that embrace. That's what God is inviting you into. Today, there may be many in this room or watching online that don't feel that. Would you take a moment with me and just pray that prayer? If you, as a long-term believer or as an unbeliever watching today, and you'd like to feel that sense of unconditional love and acceptance in the arm of a parent that deeply loves you, where you can feel trust and safety and comfort, that's the kind of God that is the God of the Bible. And I want to invite you to fall, to climb, to walk into that embrace. Let me lead you in a prayer and you own it if that's what you want. Would you join me? Oh, divine parent. Father, mother, God, you open your arms to us. You invited us, and you invite us now in all of our anxiety, all of our fear, all of our frustration, all of our disappointment, all of our hurt, all of our shame, all of our guilt. You invite us to rush you, to jump up in your arms. You invite us to lift our hands in order to be picked up by you, cradled, comforted, hugged with those nail-pierced hands that pat us on the back and comfort us in unconditional love and acceptance. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that anyone's needing that touch, needing that comfort, needing that embrace would right now open themselves to it. I pray that they would just give themselves to your love recognizing that you came to this earth, died on the cross, rose from the dead, yes, to satisfy judgment. But once you did, there is now no condemnation for all of those who come to Christ. May each of us today listening find that sense of comfort and peace in the arms of our heavenly parent. Thank you for that, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.